Hey, thank you for checking out the Performance Anxiety Podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark. And on this edition of Side Projects, I'm joined by Alexander Haka and Danielle DiPicciato of Haka DiPicciato and Ellen Southern and Tom Bush from Dead Space Chamber Music to talk about musique concrète. We discuss what it is and how each of them discovered the genre. We also talk about how it's influenced the music that they make. They've each used some strange instruments to create their own musique concrète, including a jet turbine and a serrated knife on a stone. It really is amazing how repurposing objects to make music concrète can actually give them a whole new life. And sometimes music concrète is created by accident. Like, for example, when a flute has the wrong mouthpiece. And other times, when repairing an instrument can actually ruin the qualities that you want. Recording the music can be part of the process of creating the desired sound. But you have to be ready, because sometimes you only get one take. We talk about all of this and a lot more. Follow Haka de Picciato on the socials at Haka de Picciato. Follow Dead Space Chamber Music at Dead Space Chamber Music. And pick up the Silver Threshold and the Black Hours on Bandcamp. Follow us at Performance Annex. And you can support the show at ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety. Or you can buy merch at performanceanx.threadless.com. Now let's get into some found sounds and music concrete with Haka de Picciato and Dead Space Chamber Music on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. We made it. Hey, all right, there you are. I can see you guys now. Good morning. All right. Hello. All right. Danielle and Alexander, meet Tom and Ellen from Dead Space Chamber Music. Tom and Ellen, Hi. meet you. How do you do? Oh, so good to meet you. So, to meet you. This, to be honest, this was kind of Ellen's idea. I've got to give credit where credit's due. So I love having Danielle and, and Alex on and Tom and Ellen, I wanted to have you guys back on because I enjoyed our conversation so much last time. And uh, I was trying to think of ways to get them on again. And we were talking about music concrete, which but through email. So I didn't even know how to pronounce it at the time. And uh, <laughs> so Ellen suggested it. I'm like, you know, I bet they had mentioned that they were fans of Neubauten. So I'm like, I just got an email the other day from Howard Wolfing saying that he would love if we could get you guys back on the podcast. I'm like, the stars have aligned. This is perfect. So I reached out and everybody was open and this is, I think this is fitting. This is great. So what I wanted to do is find out about music concrete because it's fascinating to me. I've known that it exists. I never really realized it was a, a genre per se with a title and a name and, you know, people who kind of started the entire thing, which kind of sounds stupid now that I say it out loud, but <laughs> I never realized how in-depth it was and, and how expansive it was. Alex and Daniel, let's start with you guys. How did you guys discover this type of the music and, and what drew you into it as opposed to just regular blues or rock and roll or, or uh, what, what drew you to it in the first place, I guess. I'll shut up now. Well, in the early 80s, when I started 
experimenting with sound or actually even when I was a little kid you know when I when I got my first acoustic guitar and a cassette recorder and a, and a microphone I would drown the microphone in the uh, the body of the guitar and okay. and record stuff and I was obsessed with horror movies and and science fiction and, <laughs> and, uh, and I was more about sounds and the the effects that that sounds uh, would have ah, okay. um, than music initially. And uh, music came later. <laughs> and uh, and so a lot of the things that I discovered or that we discovered with Neubauten in the early days, I, I had to learn that a lot of that stuff already existed. I, I was convinced that I invented Dada. Um, I, you know, um, and then we would learn about people like uh, Pierre-Henri or, yeah. um, you know, the, ori the originators of, of uh, Musique Concrète. Like Luigi Nono, who worked with the found sounds, if if you, if you will, and uh, and it's just um, it gives you the realization that that everything that is audible is also music. Yeah. And uh, an early concept of ours was to expand the term of music to the extent that everything has become music realizing that at the same time you destroy music or you kill music because if everything has become music then there is no more music <laughs> that yeah that's a great point that's like like in the incredibles if everyone's a superhero then nobody's a superhero exactly <laughs> all right tom and ellen what about you guys how did you guys discover it who who were you into early on well yeah, I mean that that is interesting because because it reminds me of something that you just said there, which which is uh, you, you might be doing certain things yourself, and when you start, you don't necessarily realize that there were all these people who came before you who, who were doing similar things. So, right. so without really being conscious of it, <laughs> you, you're, you're within a, a, a tradition, mm. something that has a long history, but you you, you didn't you didn't really know. So then it, that kind of comes comes subsequently. So I, I mm. suppose I was doing things that might might be in this this area before I'd listened to a band like uh, Einstein de Neubauten and um, or the other one would be uh, Test Department from uh, from the UK. So I can relate to that. Is I suppose <laughs> this is, is what I'm. Saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think especially for um, artists who you're doing things and you're not sure of your lineage and your inheritance in a way. What you do is quite experimental. People ask you, what kind of music do you make? And you don't really know <laughs> what to say. You're just doing it. And yeah. then and then you learn that there's all these people and you feel sort of part of, of something. I mean, when hearing you talk just then, I got flashes back of when I was a child and I used a cassette recorder as a plaything because that's you know it's like that's my age um yeah. they were freely available in the 80s and uh 
And so I, you know, I, I grew up on a small holding. So I would be carrying this thing around, you know, putting it under straw, pulling it along the ground, listening back, hearing, oh, wow. you know, and stuff like that. And and didn't even think of it as making, I don't know, making art per se, but it was just so tactile and physical. And I think it inspired me because I was a visual artist for many years before I started to sing. And uh um, and I think it inspired me to kind of consider the, the, yeah, the physicality of sound, but also the traces of a process that are then embedded of an action or a ritual that are actually embedded and the magic of how you transform the world through, through what you hear. Yeah. You, you know the origin of that sound and you have this a memory of it, but then it becomes something else and tells you something back to you almost so working with these kind of sounds now with dead space chamber music i for me it's very much part of the the, the trying to trying to have a sort of 3d immersive idea of like a, the physicality of the sound but also the story of the sound where that came from how it was made and the meaning of that relating to the track that we're using those sounds on whether they're um, looped or sampled um or whether they're physically made during live performances We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with the stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Try doing that in person. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And a special offer to Performance Anxiety listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash performance anxiety. That's betterhelp.com slash performance anxiety. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. I also think it's really important to have that naivete or that, um, you know, that non-knowing, because I have actually met artists that knew all about music history or art music, uh, art history, and they were constantly blocked because they would want to do right. something. And they'd be like, oh my God, no, that's already been done. And that's uh, already been done. And they don't do anything. They're, they basically can't do anything at all because Basically, almost everything has, in a way, been done. But, of course, the individual way of doing it is different. And yeah. so you go through that, and it emerges into something completely personal. So I think it's actually a really important way of discovering what your own voice is before you're blocked by the knowledge of thousands of people have done this. Yes. <laughs> the state of innocence. Yeah. 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 One of the things that was really interesting to me was to find out how early on it influenced pop music. The Beatles' Tomorrow Never Knows is considered one of the, the, the first pop songs with samples. 
I, and I've recently just found out Pink Floyd recorded an entire yeah. album yeah. of household oh. objects. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Only two songs exist now, The Hard Way and Wine Glasses. I think one of these, I think The Hard Way used rubber bands for a bass. It's just, it's just, it's crazy. Sean how I mean I'm, I'm not don't know if I'm remembering this right but the, the wine glasses thing I think that ended up on uh shine on you crazy diamonds yeah, yeah. Like, uh, big, big expansive yeah. sound and you, you sounds like a synthesizer there I found but, yeah I found a uh, yeah. clip on YouTube of I, I'm, it may be 10 years ago now but in the pantheon of Pink Floyd that's very recently I guess of Gilmore playing live or getting ready to play live show and the, he for that song, he had the wine glasses set up and he had people playing the wine glasses. That was just wild. What are some of the weird instruments that you guys have had to use in recording? Or, well, not had to, but chosen, I guess, to use in creating music. I know, Alex, last time you were on, you were telling me about like engine parts, I think. <laughs> some, some kind of like jet engine parts, I believe. Yeah, yeah. With, uh, with uh, Woody uh, uh, from Neubart and he has a... Actually, a jet engine, a jet turbine, or the inside of, of a of a of a jet turbine that uh, he says he found in the fields of Bavaria. I mean, he really stole it from an, from an army air base. Somewhere, but uh, uh, yeah, but yeah, you know, I I think the the greatest thing about uh, about this this concept of of using objects is. Um, the repurposing of of objects giving giving these things a new life you know like just being a rake for the sake of being a rake is a very boring existence you yeah. know <laughs> you can turn a rake into a uh, musical instrument and that kind of you know adds a certain uh, element of glamour and uh, purpose to to that before very um, uh, you know basic and meager existence you know and i think yeah. that's a great thing and also you can turn these objects into um, jet setters, you know. I mean, imagining how, how often they have traveled around the world in the meantime, when before they were just a bucket. And yeah. now they are, you know, like mm. a, you know, a, a bucket on an intercontinental flight. They become almost like your mascots. Yeah. These particular <laughs> objects that make these particular sounds. And and it's kind of yeah, it's very warm, and it makes it makes you feel it makes you more relate to them because you think, well, I'm just an ordinary person, and yet whenever we get to do a performance or something like that, you also feel really honoured and privileged, and like you get to be transform yourself, you know, yeah. like this everyday object. So you're like an everyday object, but you get to kind of go through this transformation for for a little while, you know. It's also <laughs> so, yeah, it's a humble thing. <laughs> one of the things that I I was that blew my mind as. I was talking to Alexander the last time you guys were on was how it allows people who maybe can't afford to buy a proper instrument to create music. I mean, for instance, for me, it's always been the case that I've been bored by regular sounds. I grew up learning classic classical instruments yeah. and I really loved it, but it somehow didn't touch me. 
And then it was the same thing with like regular pop music or mainstream music that I heard. It didn't touch me. And then when I started listening more to um, underground experimental music, every time it was something unusual, like an unusual, hopefully rough sound, it hit me like a, you know, like a, I don't know what. And, um, <laughs> and then I started hearing music of people that would not instruments, but actually with like, you know, metal or wood or whatever. And I just realized that's, I, it just touched me so much that it was like, okay, that's my area. And we have a friend in New York, for instance, I don't know if you've heard of him. His name is Larry Seven. And he's like, he goes through all the bin, like flea markets and, and garbage piles and things from the street and takes it home. His whole apartment is full of stuff. And he just loves working, taking them apart, you know, and then putting them together in different ways and then making sounds with them. And it just makes me like feel like I'm having some kind of, I don't know, a static state of something. Because he, has a 19, he, has yeah. a, he has a 1970s 8-track tape recorder that he actually found on the street in the Lower East Side. And he works you know, <laughs> Technology that used to be, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars now, you know, just ends up on the street and he picks it up and he fixes it and his entire studio. Wow. Is like yeah, so basically that's what we try to achieve with the stuff that we work with i mean we work with instruments of course that are like the guitar and the bass or the violin but we try to create sounds with them that are different and also use instruments that create old-fashioned sounds because like old old sounds from the hurdy-gurdy because it has a completely different feel of time to it and yeah time is an essence of that too that you suddenly get brought into a different state of time if you're listening to different kinds of sounds and uh that's something we always try to somehow achieve for ourselves because it makes us happy well i think that's an area where you and, and ellen and tom can really connect yeah i i mean absolutely like i i, I love the combination mm. of what you might call you, you know traditional sounds um the, the kind of sounds that you expect from conventional instruments and more uh, unusual side of things and i like i think i understand what what you were saying before about certain sounds in classical music or pop music where um i suppose yeah like my take on that would might be that there are, there are no surprises anymore um like you, you you know what it is you know what you kind can go of ahead sound. and say boring it's okay <laughs> well i mean you know, the thing that popped into my head was i was going to say like i suppose like a conventional kind of classical string quartet i've got nothing against a conventional classical mm. string quartet but if i listen just to, to something something like that then i i i know what what sounds i'm going to hear really mm -hmm. uh you know, if, if it's something from like the 18th century or 19th century uh i mean obviously yeah because it's so long ago so that's that's not their fault <laughs> they, yeah. they were, were alive but i mean i i, I know i know what kind of sound it is that i'm going to hear but then yeah when when, when you get into uh, the kind of stuff that we're talking about here like you, you you're going to be surprised so, so yeah you might listen to stuff where you hear a sound and it, it's it's not something it, it's a texture maybe that you've mm. never heard before mm. and I, I guess it's kind of like a switch goes on in the brain something probably happens in the brain you know you're you're surprised and then immediately uh, kind of like a light bulb goes off and then you, you know you're you're switched on you're you're engaged but We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. If it's music using sounds that you expect and following conventions that you expect, it can be a bit like, <sighs> you know, 
I don't mean to sound dismissive about you know people who've done great stuff with conventional means, but hmm. yeah, there's th- th- there aren't any surprises, I, I guess. Yeah, and one of the cool things about music concrete is how expansive it is because it's not just playing an engine part percussively; it's tape sounds and you know mm. samples, and it, it's <clears throat> there's such a breadth of things that are considered, you know, sounds that are considered music concrete that it, it seems like a genre that's just almost never ending. It's almost mm. overwhelming to me in that sense. Let me, let me put it this way. You know, if, you know, starting from the observation that the, uh, you know, the material world really is an illusion. I mean, not an illusion, but it's, it's a lack of our abilities to observe the fact that everything really is vibrations. Mm. All right. And so, what everything that we do is about creating resonance with people, with our audience or with, with ourselves, you know, like, like we resonate with certain vibrations and therefore we love them or we hate them. And these, these vibrations, they can come from any, any object or from anything, you know, Mm -hmm. from from any sound. It is about the resonance. It is about, uh, you know, like uh, actually feeling something or relating to what you hear. And uh, what I find very interesting, and I, and I think about this a lot, and I, and I ask whenever I get the chance, talking to someone who has perfect pitch, for example, you know, somebody who, who knows exactly what is in tune and what is not, you know. And I always wonder how these people are affected by things that are slightly out, you know, like certain engine sounds or something where they, and they, they do have that, they do have that problem where they, where they go like, this is not quite there. This is flat, you know, this, you know, the the bus that I'm riding on is flat. (laughs) You you can like that. You absolutely, you can like that. I like it. (laughs) Exactly. uh, I like a flat bus. And, uh, you know, and then to get to get to this resonance any means of manipulation i think is valid you know you can do anything you ever want like the the borrows cut up technique and the taping and playing back technique you know john cage This great artist, uh, Jakob Kierkegaard, he's a Danish guy, and he did a thing that he went to Chernobyl, and he just put a, a recorder into an empty room at the in Chernobyl somewhere, one of, one of those vacant uh, buildings, and recorded that building, and then played the recording of that building back into the building, and recorded that, and played that back into the building, and recorded that, oh, and wow. that you know, like, like a, a couple hundred times, actually, until he created this resonance just of the building with itself that is like a, a solid massive drone oh. you know that just out of, out of now nowhere or of just the existence you know that's fascinating
that's for, for me that's the ultimate uh, music concrete for me you know where there's not even yeah. anything, you know especially since the dead air the dead yeah. air they make that resonance especially since most things in russia wow. are made of concrete yeah <laughs> so how do you guys incorporate music concrete in your latest work i know danielle and, and alex you guys have birds chirping in overture and there, there's stuff throughout the album Going through it, and I'm pulling up my list here because I wanted to mention a couple of things. Like, Meteor's Rain is one of my favorites. But, Alex, we spoke about this the last time you were on. The throat singing that you, you did in Babel is just cool. <laughs> I, I really love hearing you do that. That it was just awesome. <laughs> but when you, when you go into the studio, do you have these sounds ready? Do you, do you have it in your head what you want, like the birds chirping? Or... Um, Tom Ellen, in your case, like maybe the, the broken bits of porcelain that you've used in the past. Is that something that presents itself as you're recording? Oh, hey, I, I think this would sound good here. Or is it a mixture of both? I think it's with us, it's a mixture of both. Usually we have a certain kind of content theme of the idea that we want to do. Like, for instance, with um, Passamberantia, it was about our nomadic journeys and how we were trying to, like, not despair and not give up and you know, that perseverance. Yeah. That was, like, our main theme and being nomads. Um, with the last album, we were kind of, you know, thrown out of context because we had planned to be touring the whole year and everything was canceled. And so we were basically stuck in Berlin and we were very, very open. Like we didn't have a specific thought. We just kind of had the thought of the situation that we're in and, um, the situation that the world is in. And for me specifically, um, I was thinking a lot about nature versus mankind and how they're like opposing each other or how they're actually, of course, part of one another. And that's the theme of our whole album. So we had that theme as an idea vaguely, but otherwise this album specifically was created very in with intuition, like intuitionally. Okay. And, yeah. so, and that, that's the, uh, the silver threshold as for the new album. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Got to make sure I mention yeah. that. Also, and also for us, it was a different situation than usual because usually we're on the road and we record with very minimal um, recording stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we do our engineering ourselves. And this time we actually did it in the studio for the first time in years and had an engineer, which gave us the possibility of just co like concentrating on the music and really being able to interact even more freely than usual. And that was really great. So I think that's one of the reasons why. Yeah. So, so you could say the most 
the most concrete thing that we have on the last album is live rooms as opposed to you know digital reverb spaces ah. or, or or weird uh well, we, we do do have live rooms on the other on the other recordings well but they are not um proper live rooms you okay. had you know like a proper large live room where we could throw things around and and uh you know, place amplifiers and, and make make the entire building ring with what we're doing. So that's that's the most concrete thing that we can. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, Tom and Ellen, what about you guys? You you just released an album in December, The Black Hours. Was there a lot of music concrete done for that album? Well, one thing that occurs is um, if for us, I mean, looking back at all the achievements you guys have had in your careers like one thing I think for us that's a challenge is studio time is it's quite limited because of the cost you know very mundane thing so we're always I mean for me it would be fantastic to be able to actually have more play time in in that sort of context and to have that idea of the you know the recording studio or the recording space wherever it is um, as an instrument in itself um, what we've tended to do is take well, our sounds in the form of samples or loops, but also physical objects that we use during performance. We take those in with us. So, and for me, that's like taking part of the performative residue in with you. Uh, like for example, we did do a, um, an EP in a church, a beautiful church in Gloucestershire. And uh, so I took in um, a knife and a stone that I used to create a mm. rhythm. Yeah. Um, on one of the tracks and it's, it's quite a funny object because it's a very t um, Black Desert is the name of the song and, and it's a very t tense discovering what it's about really <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of glossolalia in it but um the knife on the stone is actually a serrated knife because that sounded best um oh. because of all the little yeah indentations so i felt like it sounds like it's a knife sharpening but actually it's blunting it so it's okay that, again ambiguous but to do so we've done that live was, and that was always yeah. funny when the knife was glinting in the light. Yeah, it's because you were always like, oh, should I <laughs> check? Knife out. What's the venue? <laughs> yeah, yeah, do yeah. I do I check yeah. it out? You do know, I check in the knife? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's actually loads of funny stories yeah. about the objects when you take them around the world, as you were alluding to it. And it actually adds to your own sense of mythology about your own fact. It's another thing. But, um, yeah, uh, doing that action in in the in that the resonance of that church in the, that church was incredible because there's loads of beautiful wooden panels. So it wasn't a cold reverb. It was a warm reverb. It suited us amazingly well. And so to, to have that being done, recorded on tape, we recorded on tape in there because actually Pro Tools um, crashed that the church electrics wouldn't support it. Oh, so wow. if we hadn't had real, real tape, we literally but wouldn't have right. that yeah, EP. The, the digital stuff it wasn't fails. just a novelty to have the tape. <laughs> yeah. Literally, that's how we got wow. it. But, um, and we only had obviously one take of, of, of each. But yeah, just doing that action, that those that's the stone, the same stone and the same knife that I've 
you know, that we performed it with and taking it into the, the recording space like that. But yeah, for me, like to have more actual discovery playtime, we tend to kind of have to approach it as in, we basically need to get this done in two days and we get one take or two of each. And, you know, it's, it would be great to have more playtime really. Yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, in terms of recording in a studio, we've, we've done it maybe uh, three or four, four times, mm. I think. And it's been, it, it's been difficult. You know, I, I, it, it would be great to go in and just get stuck into to the possibilities and, and, and be able to enjoy it. But, you know, yeah. I guess we've certainly felt like a, a level of pressure in, in, in the studio environment. Mm. Yeah. Do you guys, all of you together, do you find it difficult sometimes to recreate some of these sounds in a live environment or do you not even care and it's just you're going to do something else for some of these songs with these elements in the live setting? Alex and, and Daniel, why don't we start off with you guys on that one? Well, I mean, one of the things that I've been playing lately um, is this little um, Turkish flute, and I was playing it. Um, it's not a flute. <laughs> and I was playing it incorrectly because without realizing, and it's very piercing. It's very small. It's about this big, and it has this piercing sound, um, which I thought was absolutely wonderful. It's really weird sound. It sounds like a dying shot duck or something. And Alex and I was very proud of the fact that it's the first instrument I've ever managed to get Alex to say it's too loud. I mean, to have a Neumann member say that is a true achievement. <laughs> and so I really enjoyed playing it live too, because it was louder than anything else. It's just incredible. Jeez. And we are quite loud when we perform. So now we did this um, radio play not long ago where a friend of ours specializes in unusual flute things or whatever you're going to call them. And he said, oh, no, you've got the wrong mouthpiece. And so he gave me the right mouth. Oh. <laughs> and it's completely different. It's muffled. It sounds, I mean, it's got nice, nice sound, but it's much deeper and it's definitely not as piercing. Oh. So now we're using that. Alex is very happy. And I'm a little disappointed <laughs> because... I really enjoy playing it live, so I have to decide what which version I'm going to use next. I guess I mean again, there is no there is no right or wrong. Um, yeah, the same, the same thing happened with your with your hurdy gurdy. Uh, the hurdy gurdy that Danielle played. Once we finally we we managed to locate the guy who actually built her hurdy gurdy the in the first place in, yeah. in, wow. in Vienna. And it was, it happened to be broken on, on that leg of the tour and, and we went to see him and, and he said, oh yeah, well, and I remember this and I sold this many years ago and stuff and he fixes for it. And, and he uh, said, the sound is terrible and I always loved it. <laughs> Super rough. And it was like, it kind of like, also sounded like some kind of monumental dying animal. It's terrible. It's so rough. Yeah, so he it's, put the proper, he put the, you know, uh, <laughs> proper strings on it and stuff. And uh, Danielle didn't get to check it out. And, and the next show she played, like, she just started playing and, it, and she almost started, started crying. crying. Yeah, yeah because, because it was kind oh. of like a you know, medieval instrument, all beautiful. And la, la, la. And I was like, oh, no. no. <laughs> I 
it sounded like it had been castrated or something yes. like that. <laughs> you know, the, the next the next thing we did was like we, we put the, the wrong strings on again, Bass you know, like, you know, like metal, metal <laughs> yeah. strings instead of the gut strings that were supposed to be on there. Oh. And, and now now it's back at, at its and its old, you know, uh, majestic beauty. Yeah. <laughs> very important to be able to like use those sounds yeah. live. What I was what I was meaning to say is is that that it it really it is all about infusing any action or any object with whatever you do, it can be anything you do. And I, and I think we, we are all along the same lines here that it doesn't really matter whether it is a musical instrument or whether it is not a musical instrument. It doesn't matter whether, whether it's recorded in a studio or it's a field recording. Yeah. What we do is we infuse meaning. Mm-hmm. You know, we make, we make every action that we do, we make it a symbolic action that conveys a, a deeper truth in, in one way or another. And and that's yeah. what it what it's all about. It doesn't matter how yes. you get there. And, yes. and the great thing is you can also project this kind of truth in any other thing. You know, you can you can have a and that's the great thing about music. You can have like a dear connection with with something that is that is just mainstream. But for you, it means something entirely different. You yeah, know? And that's great. So Tom and Ellen, you've had an album just come out in December. How can people find it? It's called The Black Hours and Dead Space Chamber Music. Awesome, awesome album. I'm still listening to it. I still love it. So how can people follow you guys and, and find the album? We're on all the usual social media platforms, but yeah, mainly through Bandcamp. If you go to Bandcamp, we're on there. Excellent. And it's not hard to find Dead Space Chamber music. I think you guys are probably the only one. <laughs> yeah. The name is Dead Space Chamber. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's either the band or one of those immersion t- chambers where you sensory deprivation yeah. things. So either, yeah. either yeah. way, it's pretty cool. So Alex and Daniel, how can people find the new album, uh, the silver threshold, follow you guys and, and see what you guys are up to. Basically the same thing on the, you know, regular media. We've got a band camp site and as we just were signed by mute, I guess it's in the stores too, but as we're in a lockdown, we don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, guys, this has been a blast. Ellen, thank you for sending me down the rabbit hole that I'm going to continue (laughs) to go down because there's just so many offshoots. It's just Mm. blowing my mind. And uh, I really do seriously thank you for kind of introducing me into the actual genre because it's something that I kind of knew existed, but it didn't know it it had a formal Mm. title, formal genre. I I don't know. It's still early. I don't have all my words yet, so... Alex and Daniel, thank you guys for coming on and talking about your experiences. And I'm really, really enjoying the new album, The Silver Threshold. It's just, like I had mentioned before, I'm looking at my favorites. There's, I mentioned Meteor's Rain and Babel, Trevis, Journey East. The whole middle of the album just, just to me, just kind of flows so perfectly. I, I absolutely love it. Are you guys settled down for a lockdown now? Or are you guys still kind of living the nomadic life? Well, we have we have been stuck in in Berlin in our studios. This is you see Dan, Danielle's studio here, yeah. and our studio is at the the other studios next next door, and that's where we spend our time. And we don't get we don't get out much. Uh, yeah, we're hoping to tour. We're in three weeks. We're going to be touring through Europe, where we hope it's going to work out because it's already been canceled three times. Uh, and we hope right. to come yeah. to the UK in the summers. So where are you based? Bristol. 
Bristol. Oh, oh, we would love to play there. So hey. we'll <laughs> meet you in person there. That'd be great. Yeah, it'd be great to see you here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Really great to, wonderful yeah. to meet up. Well, I will, <laughs> I will make sure you guys get connect through at least email. If not, you guys can always connect on social media. And unfortunately, I can't really meet up with all of you guys at the same time. So unless somebody's willing oh. to fly me to the UK. <laughs> yeah. Or I can get all you guys over here to DC. Exactly. <laughs> that would be, hey, we can get a Dead Space Chamber Haka de Picciato tour going. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 All right, guys. Well, I want to thank you one last time. I don't. I definitely don't want to get cut off on this. I, I, I want to end formally. The last two times I've done this with multiple people in the middle of a sentence, I think I've gotten cut off. So <laughs> that's a weird thing to have to edit out. Talk about podcast concrete. There, that's just <laughs> that's hard to do. Thank you guys so much. It's been wonderful, and we definitely have everybody back on again. And. uh do a whole nother episode of something else that's just as fun to talk about. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you. Nice to meet you guys. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Very nice to meet you. All right. <laughs>